on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. So we won't even get deep into this, this particular individual's case, but the quote was, if you don't, if you want it to go away, just don't move. Okay, and that is what a medical doctor used to this patient. If you want it to go away, just don't move. Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Um, we're going to make it another stories episode. Uh, we haven't done one in a little while, and uh, we got a lot of big things coming up, which we're going to talk about too. Uh, but if you are new to the Reckless in the Rack series, um, yes, it is story time. And we usually do this like every five episodes, but right now we're kind of just like fitting it in where we can. Uh, we've got a couple of good stories today that we just couldn't pass up. So um, if this is your first time, listening to the Reckless in the Rack series, then uh, this is where Nick and I share stories from our patients. Um, we like these stories, not only because they are reckless, but uh, some of these stories might sound familiar to you. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we like to talk about it. So, uh, and that's perfectly okay, because you know some of these stories, if they sound familiar, that is the exact purpose of this episode. So you can take the information that we give you and you can make your own decision based on uh, the facts that we present. So. I know Nick, Nick wanted to start us off with a little yeah, quote today. So we'll start with a quote because this was a quote I heard from a uh, patient this week, actually. And I just had I had to run to my phone and write this quote down because this was from a doctor, this patient's doctor. So we won't even get deep into this this particular individual's case. But the quote was, if you don't, if you want it to go away, just don't move. Okay. And that is what a medical doctor used to this patient. If you want it to go away, just don't move. And that is just that it mind boggles me because we know that lack of mobility, like just lack of movement throughout the lifespan is, is correlated with early mortality, diseases, all that kind of stuff. So we're just playing the short term odds there. Oh, yeah, no, your pain will go away if you just stop moving. I it's think the that's the craziest thing. That's pretty much the I, I think it's getting better, but I yeah. think that's like kind of old school medical model for sure, for sure. Uh, where they're like, hey, if it hurts, don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I'm not so sure that's the best excuse no. because not everybody knows to take that. Not so literally. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. some people are just like, oh, well, he yeah. told me not to move. So I'm just going to hang out yeah. on the couch for the next two days until yeah. the pain goes away. Yeah. And there are worse things that happen. As and, a result. It's, you know, my thing with that is, you know, if you're going to tell somebody that there, there needs to be more there. You know, there needs to be like some level of an exit strategy. Like, okay, hey, we're going to not move this for the next couple, you know, days, maybe 48 hours, 72 hours. And then we're going to sprinkle it back in or something. There needs to be some kind of plan there. Just to say that, that'd be the only thing. That just leaves them in, in not a good place in limbo, basically, because now they're just like, okay, I just don't move. Right. And then what happens is they stop doing that movement. Yeah, it feels better. Then they try to go back. It still hurts. So then they just stop doing whatever activity they loved or, you know, they stop moving in that way. And then we get arthritis, stiffness, all that kind of stuff. So it just precipitates the issue. They're back in that same doctor's office. They probably say, all right, now don't do this movement. 
right? And we're just continually restricting all their movements that they have. So it's just, it's, it's crazy that there's nothing else with that that comes with that information. You know, I'm okay if someone says, hey, I don't want you to do this particular movement for the next 48 hours or whatever, but then we're going to gradually, you know, introduce, reintroduce it in this way, right? And that's kind of what, what we do with, with, you know, some of our movement strategies. And even if a doctor or, or another provider doesn't know how to do that or how to best do that, that's okay. But you can still say, hey, look, let's just, let's give it a couple of days, like let it simmer down and then let's, you know, start to investigate it, mix it back in, trial some things and, and go from there. It's yeah, just and, crazy. And that, that can be a, a huge barrier to a patient's progress, right? For because, sure. you know, they're like, oh, but the doctor told me not to do X, Y, Z, yeah. right? You know, and um, that might be true for that particular maybe week or day or two yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? But like you said, you got to give a plan as to yeah. when we can sprinkle this back in yeah. because now they just think that it's just this one exercise is completely just bad for them or yeah. bad in general. You yeah. know what I mean? So now it's just bad information all, all yeah. across the board. And for anyone out there who listens that is, you know, physical therapist, chiropractor, doctor, anybody, when you have those credentials, when you have that that um, degree, those initials after your name, those those do mean something to to the people you're treating, right? They they take that information, um, and now now they believe what you say even more. You are the expert in that regard. So be careful with the words you use. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but just know that what you're saying, it, you know, even if you you imagine those words differently in your brain, that individual is probably taking them very differently from the way you perceive them. So be mindful of that. Explain yourself. Make sure that they understand what you're talking about. Have them repeat it back to you. Does this make sense? That kind of stuff. Because just know that with your real credentials, you do have. Yes, you are the expert. Yes, you know, um, we should always continue to be learning, right? Like your expertise is not just, uh, um, it, you, you don't just get it, right? You just, you you maintain it throughout the, the career and the lifespan. But um, you need to, you need to, Think about it in their seat. Like, put yourself in their shoes. How how are they taking this information? Because when people take that literally, just don't move. This will go away. <sighs> That's not good. It's doing more harm than anything. Yeah, and then they lose hope and yeah, and all that. Yeah. So, all right. Just want to start with that quote. I love it. I think yeah. that's a good segue into my patient here because the patient that I have she was kind of in a similar situation where she was told not to do certain things and um, she lost hope over time. And thank God she has a, uh, a son that's a great advocate for her health um, and kind of give you a little backstory on this. We have a patient slash client that has been with us for what, a couple of years now, yeah, at least. Years, yeah. yeah. And um, his mom has been dealing with some low back pain and some leg pain, um, that has been consistent for probably the last year or two. Um, she's gone through the whole cortisone injections. She's gone through physical therapy. She's gone through, um, you know, massage and all this other stuff. And, uh, she gets this temporary relief, but is still having significant amount of pain. So, um, our patient was like, Hey, is this something that you can help my mom with? Like, Dude, of course, like we'd be happy to help her. So, um, which is also the best referral we can ever get is a family member. So um, we're obviously more than welcome to help these people. So uh, she came in and, you know, just looking at her uh, and looking at the quote unquote diagnosis that she had, which was spinal stenosis. So I'll kind of start there just to give you a little background. She was very much clumped in this category of 
spinal stenosis. Like she was the spinal stenosis patient and that's how she was treated. So she had cortisone injections for the last um, year or so and they worked out great in the beginning and now they're slowly getting less and less and less effective. Um, she actually just had her last cortisone, I think like a month or two ago and had like no relief whatsoever. Um, she ended up having one just like another week ago, which was a little bit more helpful, but combined with everything that we're doing now has made even more, more of an impact on her. So basically what happened was she went to physical therapy and they looked at the script which said spinal stenosis, right? So immediately, and all depending on where you go, uh, the physical therapist will have either complete autonomy or will just listen to everything that the doctor says. And again, we're not saying the doctor's wrong, right? Maybe there is some spinal stenosis there, but there are many things that can cause spinal stenosis. There's also many things that contradict how to treat spinal stenosis. So she was clumped in this category where, you know, she got the same slew of exercises that everybody with spinal stenosis gets, uh, which is basically, you know, flexion-based exercise, which actually did temporarily reduce her low back pain, but did absolutely nothing for her leg pain. Um, so <clears throat> she went through this for, I don't know, months and was kind of like going back and forth, back and forth, not really getting any better. Um, and so she finally just gave up. She was like, that's it. It's just, I'm just going to live with it. Just going to deal with it. You know, doctor told me that, you know, it's because I'm getting old and that's just what it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't accept that answer either. You know, I mean, age isn't a great reason as to why somebody has pain. Um, so I ended up seeing her and don't, you know, everything that actually centralized or reduced her pain in her leg was the exact opposite of everything that she was given over the last like two, three months. And we actually completely resolved her leg pain within one visit. So I was like, oh man, I can't believe and I And I actually apologized to her from our profession. I say, I'm sorry that we failed you. The medical system failed you. We failed you as a profession. And I'm sorry that that happened. But you know, when you get clumped in this category where everybody else is getting treated the same exact way, no wonder you didn't get the results because you can't treat it like that. You have to treat everybody as an individual. You know, the textbook, just because it says to treat one thing one way, doesn't actually mean that that's going to be the most effective way for that patient. So, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of like how, how we, we went along with that. And, and honestly, she, uh, so for example, like she, she loved the flexion based exercises. I mean, she still does them and I say, Hey, you can still do them, but you have to make sure that you're counteracting all those flexion forces throughout the day. Like I have no problem with you doing it. She likes it. She likes the way it feels like yeah. she can get her palms nice and flat on the ground. She's super flexible. Yeah. She likes the way it makes her feel. But you just have to make sure that, you know, you're counteracting that by adding in some of these extension exercises that we're giving you. And then now we're slowly getting her into rotation exercises, which is actually making her even, you know, more feel better about moving. I mean, actually, just just the other day, I saw her and she actually said that her pain is the best she's felt in a while. She was actually like, I'm going to go for a walk after I leave here. I'm like, nice. as you should. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, so it, it's amazing how fast something can be resolved like that if, you know, the provider is actually not only listening to you, but actually spends the time to, you know, uh, give you the appropriate treatment methods. So it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I think too, that that goes back to what we were talking about before, where it's, it's, you need to give them some semblance of a long-term plan here because the traditionally in our medical system, PT course of treatment doctor will write a script for six weeks, eight weeks, you know, so people just think like, oh, cool. It's going to be all good in six or eight weeks. 
And that's just not the reality. And unfortunately, some of our, our people in our profession, the physical therapists out there are, you know, just, okay, my work's done after the eight weeks, you're discharged, you're good. But in a situation like that, where, yeah, okay, maybe they are a little textbook stenosis at the beginning, so we do a lot of flexion, they can become so sensitive to that because we've done it so much that we lost the ability to go any other direction. You know, and then they become the the, the direction that relieved the symptoms before is now becoming irritable. Um, so that can certainly have we see that pretty pretty regularly with people who have gone through that. Be like, oh, this did this did it last time, but it's not working this time. You know, so that's a situation where someone definitely needs that long term. Oh, totally, and and that I think that the importance of preframing the plan, like you said, is super important. Like getting her to know that, hey, listen these next one to two weeks, it's probably going to be a little trial and error. We're just going to play with some of these movements, you know, and we'll, let's see which ones make you better. Let's see which ones make you worse. And let's just go from there. And, you know, luckily within the first week we figured it out and that way we could get a good plan ahead of her. And now she's like, like we said, she's doing some more rotational exercise, but now, you know, we can probably get her into more like stability and strength stuff. I mean, she probably wasn't too much of a candidate for that in the beginning because, she was just too like symptomatic, you know, and for her, I just wanted her to move, you know, but move in the right directions, you know, um, and then now we can actually get her to the point where we can progress her to that, that stability and strengthening phase, you know, and then, you know, from there we can, we can see how she responds. And but, her yeah. movement confidence just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So like we, we talk about that all the time here with people, like we need to restore your movement confidence before we get into the weights, right? Like if your brain's not confident with certain movements, with just your body moving through space, well, how is it going to be confident when we add a weight to that situation, Absolutely. right? So Absolutely. we need to restore some of that movement confidence and variability first, you know, and that's kind of what Chad's describing there. One other thing I want to touch upon with that case was uh, multiple cortisone injections. We're not knocking cortisone or saying that um, it's bad, like you shouldn't do it. No, it's, it's very much a viable strategy. But if you're doing cortisone and not trying to investigate and figure out okay what what's going on underneath here like what's the underlying reason i'm still getting this pain coming back this recurring pain then the cortisone is silly right because we're just throwing a band-aid on it but if you're doing cortisone in conjunction with trying to work on some of that other stuff well they yeah then then go for it i think if that can help you get get through a you know a plateau or get over the hump yeah it's great it's a great option but if we're just doing it just because oh yeah no it it, it resolved my pain last time you're just going to keep going down this slope, this snowball rolling down the hill. Um, and long-term cortisone, I think it's important for everyone to understand that long-term, the more you get it, especially in a short window, it can actually um, hinder your tissues and, and weaken your tissues, especially the tendons. So it can, it can lead to some problems if you get a lot of them in a short span. And that's why a lot of doctors won't do more than, you know, three or four in a year kind of thing. So just, just it's important for everyone to understand and know that for sure. Cool. All right. So I got a story. Um, this was actually a um, coworker of my brother's and my brother had texted me. Um, it was actually last week and he said, Hey, can you, can you tear a labrum in your hip? I was like, yeah, that's, that's a thing. Are you okay? <laughs> um, and he was like, Oh, it's, it's, it's my coworker. The, the, the doctor told him that he's got a torn labrum and they want to do surgery. I was like, okay, I need more than that. You know? So I said, you know what, give him my number have him call me. And, um, uh, so, um, I talked to, to this guy and, and he basically super active, wants to be super active. Sir, doctor kind of freaked him out mentioning surgery. So I'm like, all right, well, what's going on? What are you feeling? Where's, where's the pain? Uh, you know, 
it's in my glute in my back. Uh, okay, you know, most labral tears, well, typically everyone's different, but typically they'll present with pain more in the front, into the groin, and he's just, you know, he's got the, the glute, um, you know, a little bit into his hamstring. And I'm like, okay, um, well, what, like, what happened? Was there any injury? Did anything lead out of this? Oh, it's just been kind of progressively getting worse. Okay, so no, like, significant injury, like, boom, hip pain right now, weird, weird kind of movement, nothing. So, okay, what were the images taken back um, and hip? So I was like, okay, what'd they find? Uh, well, they found a little bit of um, disc protrusion, but and it, he said something like, well, the doctor said it's not a problem until it herniates. And I was like, nah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, anytime, anytime we have anything causing a loss of space, right? You can cause pressure on nerves, right? And then that can become problematic. Is it problematic if we just find it? No, not necessarily, but it can cause, you know, compression on nerves, irritate muscles, things like that. But nonetheless, we get to talking more. It's like, okay, well, what happened with the hip? Well, the doctor just found the hip, the, the labral tear and, and they said that that's the problem and they want to fix that. They want to uh, do surgery on that. And his symptoms were not matching up. I was like, all right, well, anything else? Are you getting any shooting pains, anything like that? And he's like, yeah, my leg goes numb all the time. And I'm like, dude, this is not your labrum, man. I was like, I was like, anywhere from like 20 to 70% of people have labral tears and don't know it. I was like, they just found this because they were imaging the area. I wouldn't worry about the labral tear, man. I was like, you need to, you know, address the, the spine more so here with this because you're getting the numbness down your leg. So we got to talking more um, and, you know, very much a situation where um, probably overdoing it like exercise wise a little bit too much, like combining both weightlifting and, um, you know, a lot of time spent cycling, things like that. So a lot of flexion and then overloading the flexion probably a little too much. Like the, the, the you know, the volume, the programming is probably just a little excessive. Um, so just probably a little, little of that, that overtraining type of thing. And then Combine that with this, you know, onset of, um, you know, ridiculous symptoms. So we're causing some compression on the neural tissue somewhere and is just over, over irritating the tissue over and over. And, you know, the doctors want to go repair the hip. Um, so just over the phone, I, I, I didn't, I just planned on having a conversation with the guy, but I was like, Hey man, you need to try a couple of these things. Just, just, just out of my curiosity. So give them, you know, some nerve glides, give them some, some extension based stuff because it was more so sitting, you know, on the bike and all that kind of stuff that was irritating the, um, the symptoms down the leg. And, um, it was all one-sided too. So give them some side glides. So basically just exercise to try to offload, you know, that compression, offload the neural tissue a little bit. And I said, just, just give me a call. If anything, you know, is, is going the other way. If it's not, and if you don't, if you don't reach out, I'm just going to assume things are good. Yeah. Nonetheless, I haven't heard from you. Um, so <laughs> I'm assuming things are going good. We don't know for sure, but this wasn't a patient that, uh, um, or even really like a patient that we saw in the clinic. I just was like, Hey, you're my brother's friend. I want to just, you know, give you some advice if I can. But I was, I, I took a step back for a second and I was like, man, this, this kid really would have had a life-changing experience. Went for surgery to get a, a labral repair. That yeah, the labral was torn. The image showed it, showed it was it was there was trauma to it, but it was not co causing any issues. So chances are, back pain would have been worse postoperatively because he would have been immobilized um, for a period of time on crutches. Definitely going to make some back stuff worse, and then also probably would have changed some. So who knows how long his his labrum was torn, but. His body had compensated for that, 
right? And some, not all compensations are bad. So we can absolutely compensate positively when you have something like that. You have a joint, um, you know, that's, that's quote unquote abnormal now. Your body compensates and figures out how to function with it. And that's totally fine. That's why we have so many people out there with, you know, you know, disc issues, meniscus tears, labral tears, um, tears in pretty much any joint you can think of and their body just functions, no pain, no issues, no, no, uh, no limitations there. So that surgery to repair that labrum was probably going to result in some now, you know, removal or, or, um, um, you know, getting rid of the compensations that had helped him get to where he was from a functional standpoint. So now he's going to have to recompensate for the new hip. That's going to take some time. All the while, that's probably going to make the back a little bit worse. Could make it better. Who knows? But um, he was going to go down this road and then just probably at some point end up at the the state of ah, whatever. It's just unlucky. You know, do, I'm going to deal with it. Chronic pain for a long time. Right. Like that's where my brain talk goes. Like, man, uh, if I didn't take that phone call, if I just brushed my brother off like that, he could have been in surgery in the next like couple weeks, which is just crazy to me that that's that's where the surgeon or the doc. I don't even know if it was a surgeon that, that um, the kid saw, but right away. Oh yeah, we got we got to repair this labrum. Like, whoa, can't look at that image and just be like, this is it. Let's ask about symptoms. As soon as you ask about the symptoms, if you are in the medical field and you know anything about just, you know, any anything about how the body works in general, you know that as soon as he says numbness, like, yeah, there still might be some some uh, involvement of the hip there, but we got to look up at the back. Has this Expert. kid had any type of physical therapy Expert. or anything yet? Or is... No. So he, he, okay. had, he had in the past for other things, um, super active kid. So it sounded like he just, you know, injuries here and there from um, just playing sports and stuff like that. Um, like my brother was saying that he just, he can't, he can't not do something. Like he has to be doing something. Um, so he, he had had it in the past for something else. Um, so nothing for this particular. But I, I, I told him, I was like, you know what? I would go physical therapy first for this anyway. Because I would hope that uh, the physical therapist out there, this is this is in order to hunt anyway, but I would hope that any physical therapist would be like, oh, yeah, no, let's give us a back exercise. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And not be like, oh, labral tear on the, you know, on the scripts. Let's, let's look at this. Let me get this. a whole bunch yeah. of hip exercises. Right. Because that happens too. We see that a lot. Mm-hmm. There's like someone gets diagnosed with a labral tear and, and they come to us and we're like, I don't think it's a labral tear. Or there might be a labral tear, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not I, worried about it. Honestly... For most of the people that are getting some sort of diagnostic imaging, they're going to find something, man. They're going to find something. You know, like you said, who knows how long that label tear has been there? Who knows? We see that in the shoulder all the time. Like the, a lot of doctors don't even repair those things now because they're so inconsistent and they honestly, they don't get better. So if you're debating on a shoulder labrum repair, I wouldn't even waste your time unless there's only maybe two instances where I know of that I had to actually kind of push for surgery and... It was that one kid that I had that was dislocating in his sleep. Like, it was bad. It was a lot of, like, instability in the glenohumeral joint. So, like, in a situation like that, I can understand. But overall, if it's, like, just some minor pains or some stuff that you said, like, the body can compensate over time, then I just think uh, I've seen more people that don't get the results they're yeah. looking for with that and that's, surgery. That's why you always have to pair what's going on, the symptoms, um, how limited someone is with what we find on the images because yeah if someone's dislocating in their sleep and the image shows a label tear all right, yeah that's probably a good a good <laughs> a good you know situation to actually repair it because clearly 
the you know there's no compensation being made for a lack of labor and, and that was actually a situation where the doctor's like no 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 i want you to go to physical therapy and i think i saw this kid for like a month and i'm like nah, there's nah, nothing i can do with yeah, this like yeah. it, there's not any strengthening exercise that i can give you that's going to help this from dislocating you know what i mean when you're talking about a structural issue like that so um you know yeah it, it happens yeah. you know we've talked about it numerous times about the images but when you get your images just take it with a grain of salt because it will find something quote unquote abnormal right as to if that's meaningful we don't know we have to we have to determine for you are you limited in your daily activities are you limited in the activities you want to do the recreational activities is there a lot of pain is the pain stopping you from doing things is the pain keeping you up at night all those things are questions that hopefully someone a provider can ask you or you can ask yourself um quick quick other one i, I have another patient who i've been seeing him for his his back but he had a recent shoulder injury and the image showed a full thickness tear, but zero pain. And yeah, it's a little weak, but he has full range of motion. And honestly, was showing some signs of, you know, the, the, the ability to regain the, the strength because it wasn't just like, oh, arm drops down. It was just like, okay, as soon as we get a weight, it's just like, I can't lift it, but can bring arm through full range of motion actively. So there's some signs there that, that, this individual can regain some strength and yeah that's a situation we might want to say okay let's let's see how this goes first right and again this it depends on the individual if that's an individual who's like no i need my arms for work okay well do you can you afford to take off three four five months of work no okay well let's keep going with work then oh yeah i can i own the business uh, okay well then Okay. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do you want to get this fixed right now? It's like, all right. So those are those are also the considerations we have to to think about. We can't just say, oh, image shows it's torn. Let's just repair that puppy, right? Like we have to take take the whole individual into account and be like, all right, is this going to work for you right now? Do you need this right now? If they're in no pain and they're like, no, I'm good. I can function. Why do we have to repair that? Like that thing may heal itself and it may not. But if they're still functioning, whatever. Clearly, exactly. that individual does not need a rotator. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I say that to all my patients too, like that are considering on getting an MRI or something. They're like, yeah, I'm going to get an MRI. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do with the results? Yeah. Are you going to get surgery? Yes. Well, I don't yes. surgery. It's like, what are you going to get the MRI yeah. for? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's oh. the only thing they're determining yeah. if you're a candidate for surgery yeah. or not, you know? Yeah. And, and if you're already adamant about not getting it and you're already progressing, well, I wouldn't even waste your time. Yeah. You yeah. know, save you money. Yeah. Save time. And just, just so everyone knows, like it, it's unfortunately it's the insurance game. So if a surgeon is out there and maybe they don't even know if they want to do surgery on you yet, but they, they can't justify opening you up without the MRI. Like the insurance company is not going to cover any of that surgery if, if they do that. So you have to get the MRI in that case. But Chad's right. If you, if you're like, no, no, hundred percent not getting surgery, then really it's kind of silly to get the image, right? Um, it, there, there might be some red flag issues. Like it, for example, if you were having numbness tingling down the legs and you had like bowel bladder issues as well, uh, it might be a good idea to get the image just to see if we have, we have anything yeah, that's that a might need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if it's just your, your joint pain or orthopedic pain and you're just like, nah, I'm not going to get surgery. Uh, you know, you, you might be able to save some money. Cause that's the other thing too, with the MRIs, we're hearing a lot of our patients and clients coming back and being like, man, I used to get MRIs fully covered and now I had to pay out of pocket. It's like, yeah, the insurance um, industry is a mess, right? We've talked about that a lot. So just know that as well. You might get blindsided um, with that image from a Yeah, and I will say that insurance, the only one thing that I can probably agree with with insurance is that a lot of these insurance companies are now 
requiring that you do so many weeks of physical therapy before yeah. they'll even approve an MRI. Yeah. I got a patient right now that's like, yeah, I want to get one on my yeah. neck, but they already told me I can't get it until yeah. I get physical therapy. Yeah. I'm like, great. Well, by the time you decide if you need the MRI or not, let's get you better. So yeah. then you don't even For need sure. to go. Yeah. You know? And a lot of that has to do with the research. So at right. least they're using the research for yep. for that because, Agreed. you know, they, they've they've found out over time with, with a lot of things, especially as it relates to the, the low back and the neck, that the outcomes are pretty similar. If you go conservative with, with physical therapy, you know, over the long term versus versus surgery. So because of that research, it's like, oh, yikes, maybe we, maybe we need to uh, try PT first, right? And the other thing I would say with that is when you try PT first, Give it more than the six to eight weeks that is on the script. Even if you are going, um, you know, th- through, you know, insurance or whatever, you can always spread it out, right? They can, they can justify, they can, you know, make, make it, a, um, you know, a, a longer case. It doesn't just have to be eight weeks because the doctor said that on the script, right? Um, so you can go longer, but very rarely is eight weeks long enough for, um, yeah, it's, it's long, long enough typically for tissues to heal. But for your body and your brain and your, like we talked about before, movement confidence to restore, no, eight weeks usually is not long enough, especially if you're a human in our modern world where you have to work, you have a family, you have these life stressors that will most most definitely, um, you know, impact your body's ability to restore its function. Um, it needs to be longer than eight weeks, you know, upwards of, of at least give it a solid three months, 12 weeks, if not longer. Right, because we are seeing some research coming out. Um, actually, going back to the hip labrum, most of the hip labral research shows that if physical therapy is going to be um, effective, it actually is a uh, six-month, on average, um, a six-month course of physical therapy treatment. Now, that's not twice a week, every week. That's just from case open to case discharged, six months. But you got to give it some time because your body needs that time. For sure. Your brain needs that time. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. cool. Good stories, man. Good stories. So Sweet. Um, next episode, and this will be in a couple of weeks because this is going to be Nick's last day here. He's having baby for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. we are planning on doing an episode when he comes back. We're trying to figure out the title right now. Maybe like what to expect when you're expecting yeah. of some sorts. Yes. Um, but we're, we're going to be talking about the importance of environment and, and you know, um, nutrition and, and everything in terms of, you know, uh, baby health as well yes. as, you yes. know, not only for immediate health, but future health. Yes. So, uh, there's going to be a lot of good nuggets in there if you are expecting or have children. So, um, this is something that I know Nick has d- dove pretty deep into and, yep. uh, I'm definitely going to learn some things yeah. too. So, um, it's going to be an interesting episode for sure. So hopefully that'll be very interesting for everybody to hear. And, Absolutely. uh, I think, I don't think she knows this yet, but we Nick and I talked about this really okay. quick. So we don't we don't want to be like, oh, we're like two dudes talking about pregnancy, right? Yeah. So um, we're gonna try to get yeah. Alicia on the podcast. Yeah. I know she's gonna be pretty fresh. Maybe we'll make it into um, two part one, part two. Yeah, we yeah, might we make it into part one, part we could two. Do that. that way we have yeah. like an unbiased and we have yeah, like a for female sure. perspective if for you sure. Will. Um, yeah. And uh, you know that way we can we yeah. can shed some light yeah. from from both. From and both it'll sides. it'll be mainly about things that both mom and dad can do to you know um improve the environment and the lifestyle around raising 
children because it's a very different world we live in and we need to take that into account you know and as much as us as adults we can say well i've been doing this particular activity or i've been doing i've been eating this way for decades why change it now okay that's fair that's totally fair you're an adult you have the right to make that decision you you know you're you're otherwise healthy from what we can see okay cool you have the right to make that decision your infant especially your children they don't they don't have that like number one, the intelligence or the experience with that yet, and number two, they don't have the bodies that the, the developed immune system, the developed um, really any system, uh, to tolerate the things that we tolerate as adults. So you have to take that into consideration when you're bringing um, a new life into this world, um, and and it has been a huge learning curve for me over the past pretty much year, just in in preparation, learning a bunch of stuff and and making changes to. Um, our lives at home just in 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 prep for that to try to do as much as we can to help you know our our, our child grow and develop optimally yeah, yeah it's gonna be great yeah it's gonna be a good sweet one. all right so let's uh let's close this out um we understand and we know that the healthcare system it'll never be perfect and uh right now it kind of sucks um, but it seems like we hear these reckless stories way too often. Um, the best thing that we can do is, is bring awareness like we're doing here with this, with this podcast episode. So, um, uh, my last little bit of feedback is if, uh, if you are a healthcare provider and you listen to this, just don't be reckless with other people's health. Do your research, you know, be a, be a, um, an advocate for your profession, do right by people, right? And, uh, all the patients that are listening. You shouldn't put up with those providers that are reckless with yours. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.